Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Wednesday. Top of the morning to you, as they say on my favorite radio station, Kayla. We have a great show for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Loretta McNary Live. Our guest today is an Amazon woman. She is so amazing, and the things that she does um, are very, very awesome, but the way that she does them are even more awesome, and I can't wait that you guys get a chance to meet her and talk to her. And you know the show is only 30 minutes, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time reading her uh, dossier and her resume and all that good stuff because this lady is so phenomenal. And what she's been able to do in a span of about six years is nothing short of phenomenal. So everybody, welcome to Loretta McNary Live. And I'm going to get her first name wrong, so I'm going to call her Miss Morell so she can remind me again how to pronounce it because I love her first name. Everybody, welcome her to the show. <laughs> Thank you for Hi having there. me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Ianod oh, is is my first name, Ianod. but it's, it's very different. Ianod, yes. Oh, it is very different because I've been trying to figure out how I've tried to figure out how do you pronounce that. I've heard you say it before. We talked briefly a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, and I don't remember. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to call her um, Lady Burrell. So um, you're the founder and <laughs> CEO of Glasshouse Communications, a boutique firm in San Francisco, Oakland, California area, specializing in publicity, media relations, entertainment branding, strategic communications. Fund Development Consulting for Nonprofits. And a partial list of your clients include the Museum of African Diaspora, City Life Theater Company, the City of Oakland, Al- Alameda County, the Oakland Chamber, Jess Glam, Dr. Reverend Joseph Bryant, Jr., photographer, oh, my goodness, here's another, uh, um, Mr. Anderson, Cheryl Sutton for Congress and YB Timepieces and so many more. And the list of people that you work with on this, on your um, fashion on the square, we'll talk about that too. But I'm just telling you, lady, you are a lady to watch, I promise you. Thank you so much. It is definitely a God-given gift. I do not credit myself for anything that I do, and it's certainly a passion. And I know we often hear those things that are passions, you can do well, and some do it for free, but I am actually living the life that I never never dreamed of, actually. So uh, it's it's really an honor. Okay, so I'm curious, which came first, Glasshouse Communications, or um, you know you're the uh, fashion editor also, but you're also the founder and creative director behind Fashion on the Square. Glasshouse so Communications came. Yeah, Glasshouse Communications came first. I started that PR company about eight or nine years ago, and I think I've been saying eight years for the past ten years, so maybe I'll move it along. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was really that grind after hours. So I was at my nine to five, and then I'd go home and grind until midnight and did that for maybe five or six years until being moved or actually pushed into the space where it's really my full-time 
what I'm doing right now. So it, that came first, and actually the whole fashion piece started with being, if you want to say discovered, I'm not sure, as a potential plus-size model for Macy's many years ago. And I never wanted to do the camera thing. That was never my interest. But I thought fashion has a certain direction, a certain image, and I could be definitely a trailblazer in changing that image, and that's pretty much what I did. So I turned down the modeling and turned that into being a fashion editor and writing about fashion shows and traveling to different shows. And that whole thing always had a plus-size spin to it because I would always make sure that I had a column that spoke to, and I call them my fluffy girls, spoke to the fluffy girls being very, very chic in what they wear and yet can still be sexy and still be very comfortable. And then it kind of progressed into what we now know as fashion on the square. <laughs> okay, so we're there. Let's go ahead and tell everybody because um, this is the longest-running fashion show on the West Coast, right? It is. The largest and longest-running show. It is. It is something that I was working, I was a paralegal for a number of years in very large law firms, and I would work in the downtown San Francisco area, and in the heart of downtown San Francisco is Union Square. And I remember it like yesterday. I was on a lunch break, and I was just walking through Union Square, and just standing there I thought, what an amazing opportunity to produce an outdoor fashion show outdoor fashion show on Union Square. I had no clue where to begin, so I just began to pull from what I knew, research and calls, and after pretty much going through a vetting and going through background checks and a lot of other things, I was given permission to produce Fashion on the Square on Union Square, and it was the first of its kind ever for San Francisco. So if you think of Bryant Park, what used to be Bryant Park for New York Fashion Week, that is what we turn or transform Union Square into, the tents and the runway. Yes, yes. So if you go into the archives of Fashion on the Square on the website, some of the pictures from years past, you will see the outdoor atmosphere, and that was absolutely phenomenal. It really took on a life of its own. So I began to... But, again, going back to what I'm authentic about, and that is not doing the regular thing in fashion, not having the zeros and the twos and the five nines and five elevens. My, the sizes were zero to 24, and the heights were four nine to six seven. So it was a very different, very different show, and San Francisco embraced it to the point where we were given a proclamation by Mayor Newsom, the former mayor of San Francisco, as Fashion on the Square Day in San Francisco a few years ago. So it certainly, it certainly has kind of legs of its own now, legs of its own, and I'm I'm, I'm a pawn and I'm playing the part right now. <laughs> I know, and it's, it's, so you're celebrating your eighth year, eighth annual this year. It is the eighth annual. We and the reason I have coined it as the longest running and the largest. We we've had some challenges in San Francisco with fashion shows. We have a lot of major players in the industry in San Francisco in fashion. They're they're doing phenomenal things. It's difficult to produce a show. It's difficult to pitch for sponsors. It's difficult to find models. It takes a lot of work. I don't do this alone. 
I've created a group of women called the Unsung Diva Production, and this is an all-female production. It's an all-female production, and they are my sister friends, my loved ones, but more importantly, my family, my my brothers and my mom and my sister-in-laws. And think all of those individuals play a real critical role with me producing this event. So all of that, we've trickled into fashion. I pretty much showed up. Like, where does she come from? Where she's not a model. She's not. She's not a stylist. Well, what I am is someone who is passionate about image, self-esteem, and really making it more relevant. We certainly have our phenomenal shows, but the real body sizes and the real people, we don't see them often. So I was able to use my platform and, and have them on the runway. So I've coined it as the largest and the longest running. Union Square, we drew thousands. It's outdoors. It was free. Mm-hmm. And that was a challenge, mm-hmm. too, because it was free. And so, and the longest running, because we have been the longest consistent show in San Francisco. We used to have um, other shows that ran for a couple of years, and things would get challenging. So, yes, I have just thrown Ooh. that into the pot. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and you can back it up. And some of the um, designers and retail lines that you've participated with are, it's like you're looking at an East Coast kind of fashion show. Because you worked with um, Delta Domingo, Dark Garden, Victor Tong, B. Michael of New York, Chris March from Project One Runway, Tamara Lee Simmons, Fabulosity, mm-hmm. Old Navy, mm-hmm. Jim Barine, Jamie and Jack, Crazy Eight, Nine West, DSW, <laughs> The Gap, Jennifer Blue, Azure, Cito, Nike Town, Apple Bottoms, and the list goes on and on. This is crazy, Ms. Morrell. This is so crazy. So how does somebody who just takes a walk in the park come up with something that looks back eight years later and they work with some of the top designers in the country? I, I have how to does say that feel? It, it feels actually sometimes I'm numb to it, and I and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. When you're in that moment, a lot of times I don't, I don't have the opportunity to experience what is really happening until it's over. But I will say, and I will say this to anyone, no matter if you're in fashion, if you're in technology, whatever you're doing, your reputation precedes you. You have to keep a high level of integrity. You have to show up on time or before time is better, and you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. So how did that happen? It really came from word of mouth. I never, I, I really honor my mother for raising three children on her own for most of our years and being just very strong and strong-willed and teaching us good values. And so I don't have any, there's no rumors about me. There are nothing but good things. Uh, when I do Glass House and I do my PR work, I give, I give results. So how did that happen? It was about reputation. Now, I must say, B. Michael even though I knew about him many years before during the early days of Fashion on the Square, I didn't reach out because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to give and prepare the platform that I knew would deem appropriate for him. So it was in the sixth Uh year where we were ready. Why? Because we had five years consistent. We had consistent sponsors. We had the Unsung Divas production. We had those folks who were – we pretty much had a record, if you will, and mm-hmm. then I mm-hmm. reached out to him because when you work with a B. Michael, you have to be ready for those couture dresses that are ten, tens of thousands of dollars. And he just launched his ready-to-wear collection in Macy's, actually, which I'm so, super excited about. And it goes up to size 12, which I'm really excited about. 
So, and, yes. and then you think of Joseph Domingo, who is our Bay Area's own San Francisco, who I covered in New York, was it New York Fashion Week, I believe, in, 19, in the year 1999, I think, or 2000. Well, although I knew about him then, and he's right here in my city, I never approached Joseph Domingo because I wasn't ready. But now that we were able to go eight years strong, we're able to have our reputation and have our platform and be embraced by the Intercontinental Hotel, which is an amazing property, then I was ready to say, <laughs> okay, Mr. Domingo, <laughs> can we work together? And even though, you know, he did his research as well. We were friends and colleagues, but it requires tenacity, integrity, respect. You have to keep a clean record. And you yes. just have to be, yeah, yeah it, it, it goes without saying. It really does. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I can relate to that because, you know, I've been doing my uh, TV show for six years, the Loretta McNary show, and people often still ask, well, why haven't you reached out to some of the major network producers? Because you have to get to a certain spot with what you're doing mm-hmm. so that you know that you check all your, 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 your boxes, mm-hmm. you'll check your I's and dot your T's across because you only get one opportunity. So if I had a move right. too soon, say in year three or four, I, and I look back now, why I thought it was really great then, it wasn't good enough to where these guys would say, hey, yeah, we want to put all this money behind Loretta and distribute her nationwide. So I'm to that point now, so I totally can relate to that. You have to be ready. You can't move too soon. You cannot you can't move, move too, too soon. soon. You cannot. And actually, when you look at the other individuals you mentioned, Chris March, the other connection when I'm reaching out to designers, now, we definitely get submissions. We get submissions year-round. There are criteria for designers to be a part of it. And, yes, we get a lot of submissions from out of state. And I would say it's a clear answer why San Francisco is the place to be. We are a fashion destination, and folks want to be on Union Square with the Barneys and the Chanel's, and that's where this event happens. You have Gucci and Chanel, and we have Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman. All of that is within two blocks of where fashion on the square happens. But when you think about a Chris March, you have to make a connection well, he was with Beach Blanket Babylon for many years, which is right in San Francisco. So they embraced him. And and a, a little known fact, I don't know if he's driving yet, but he didn't drive during the time he was on the show. So he drove from New York to San Francisco to be no in the way. show. Yes, he does not do planes. From the East Coast to the West Coast, he actually drove. He drove, wow. and at the time I was working with him, he did not drive. I don't know if he's driving now, but, again, who who does that? Who would drive from the East Coast to the West? He did his research. I met with him in New York when I was there. He did his background checking. He It, it all made sense. And you think about the others that you mentioned, the retail. Well, Gap is, is born and raised in San Francisco, Gap and and Old Navy and all of those folks, they're, they're from here. So there's always a retail element to fashion on the square in addition to the designers. And the whole concept is to bridge the gap between that emerging designer who just haven't gotten that break just yet to that designer mm-hmm. who's established like a B. Michael. You put them on one runway and it just blows the charts. It's amazing. Oh, wow. And you can tell, I mean, you, you're excellent. And, you know, people <laughs> say, I want to do this, and I wish I could do that, but no, Ms. Morell, she has all this going on. I can't do it. But, yes, you do You do have your education and your affiliations where you can, you know, you look really good on paper. But you built that up. You didn't wait until you had all these things in place, I'm sure. 
but you built well, it up and you made it happen. And, you know, one of the things I will say, when you speak about education, I'm glad you brought that up. When individuals look at that side of what I do, there is no connection to fashion. However, I was told many years ago in my first year in college that the only thing, not the only thing, one of the things that having a degree does is just justify that you're able to start and finish a project. That's pretty much Mm -hmm. it. Yes, you have Mm -hmm. education, you're smart, you go to Harvard and Yale and all those things, but you started and you finished. And that is what people need to know. They need to know that once they hire you on or once you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So a lot of those degrees, I thought I'd be an accountant, so I got an accounting degree. Then I was doing accounting and law firms, so I got a paralegal certificate. Then I thought, Oh, the healthcare industry is in turmoil. Then I went and got a master's in healthcare management. And then it was like, oh, I think I want to go to City Hall. And so I got a master's in public administration. And all of that <laughs> does not say PR, fashion, any of that. But Media I pulled at I pulled, all. I pulled, yeah. <laughs> I pulled from those. And you have the opportunity to not only work with you know, all the grace in fashion, but you work on some um with some celebrities and you've interviewed them, um, such as mm-hmm. Judith Jameson with the Al- Alvin Alley yeah. dance company, Naomi Campbell, um, Steve yeah. Harvey, Tim Gunn, um, yeah. Congressman Maxine Waters, Terry J. Vaughn. Oh, I just interviewed her too. <laughs> and a lot of people you've interviewed I have too. And so, girl, when do you sleep? <laughs> you Actually, and that's a good question because I, I actually do sleep between midnight and 4 a.m. My body has been conditioned for many years since high school because I had a very long bus commute from the Bayview, San Francisco Bayview District to Lowell High School, which is in the avenues. And anyone that knows San Francisco, when you're on the bus, it takes about an hour and a half. So because I had an 8 a.m. class, I had to leave the house at 6, 6.30 and because I did that for four years, my body has been conditioned. So I sleep between midnight and four. But I also, that has a lot to do with working on East Coast time. So most of what I do in my work, I work from an East Coast perspective because by noon on the East Coast, it's a wrap. So that means by 9 a.m. my time, it's a wrap. So everything that a lot of what I do is 4, 5, 6 a.m. But those those interviews, we're part of paying dues, and everyone has to do it. We can't just jump into this thing, and I'm sure you have done that as well. You have to pay your dues. So what I did as a fashion correspondent on many red carpets on the other side, I would interview these celebrities as a correspondent, talk about fashion, and so it, it was amazing. And Naomi Campbell never threw anything at me. She was just <laughs> awesome. Um, and most recently with the iconic Judith Jameson of the Alvin Bailey yes. Dance Company was she is a doll, she is a riot in terms of her comedic abilities, and she's she is the epitome of what a lot of people would love to be. So all of those, I still do some hosting with Off the Hook TV, which is in Oakland, produced by Matthew Griffin, and every now and then we'll do it. I'll host a show and do an interview. So. There's not much sleep, but it um, it it it's an adrenaline. It's which is why I'm so hyper right now at 9 a.m. my time. It's like I've been up since four already, so I'm I'm good. Oh, you're okay, and and I I'm like that. I have 
And I, I fight it, though, but I, I should at least accept the fact that I'm one of those persons who, if I get four or five hours a night, I'm okay, because I spend the other three hours in frustration trying to go back to sleep, <laughs> trying to, you know, count sheets and um, exercise and drink tea and milk and all the other stuff to go to sleep. So I need to just use those three hours and be more productive. And, and since I'm talking to you, I probably will, because, you know, if you, you need eight hours, you need eight hours. But some people aren't built for eight hours. Five hours has seemed to work for me all my life, so I should just let it go. But I also want to talk about, because um, in addition to the Fashion on the Square and the, the huge fashion show, you offer classes. Is that a part of it, photographers, modeling agencies, and casting directors and all that meet to talk to the people? How yes, a couple of things. Institute? Definitely. A couple of things that we launched in 2006 was the FOSS Institute, and FOSS is the acronym for Fashion on the Square. And so what we did before the fashion show, we would have industry professionals in all those industries, the photography, retail, designers, come as a panel, as panelists to teach. And we found not only was it a great way to brand and broaden FOSS, it was definitely needed. Many people can't afford the fashion institutes and to do the two years, and some just need concentrated classes. So we pulled on the experts in the area, and we only offer it around Fox time. But it looks like it may need to be something more broadened and expanded. But even with mm-hmm. that, Lorraine, I have to, the people that are around me, and one of the things that I announced this year was the FOTS Advisory Council. I don't do this alone. I have a brain trust, and those are individuals that feed into me in terms of the trends and what's going on in the field because, again, I still have to do PR and things like that. So I pull on amazing talent like 510 Media who are graphic design and Mashama Thompson is the graphic designer and Nana is a photographer, I pull on their expertise. So when you see marketing collateral from Fashion on the Square, it's those individuals. Then I pull on the Vivian Vivian Kelly, who's a blogger in New York, who's a, a, a nationally known, an internationally known blogger in New York, who's part of the council. I pull on individuals like Michael Gibson, who is a BET critic writer. All these individuals are part, of, and there are more, are part of the Fox Advisory Council. So they are the ones that say, Ian, this is what's happening in the field. This is what's going on. They add to what's happening. So, yes, the Fox Institute now will grow. It will always happen right before Fashion on the Square, and it will be something that, who knows, it, it may have legs of its own. And the other part to that <laughs> is we announced the Fox Nonprofit this year, which is yeah, called Fox Plus. But tell me, when does the actual fashion show take place? What part of the year do you actually do the um, fashion on the square? It's always the last Saturday, always the last weekend in July or the first weekend in August. And that just fluctuates okay. depending on where it's going to be. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, now I want to talk about you know, your nonprofit arm, which is Fox Plus Park. Yes. It that you know, Lorraine, a couple this was in two thousand six. And two thousand six was the first time that we infused the arts on the runway and I absolutely have to say it was a tipping point. And many individuals know what that means, a tipping point for fashion on the square. We brought the Alonzo King Lines Ballet to the runway as instead of having a singer or maybe dance, we brought classical ballet to the runway to do our entertainment and it that. absolutely was amazing. And then we used the ballerina herself, Caroline Rocher, 
who is also the face of Lines Ballet, she came out as a model for B. Michael. And, and, and when you talk about serendipitous, she actually was a model for B. Michael over 10 years ago, and I had no idea that they actually worked together like 10 years ago. And here she is in 2006 with, with us, again, on the runway for B. Michael. So we saw the importance. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's, just, it's, it's this universe that's circling, that doing, is doing its thing. So we saw how important branding and expanding, because fashion is an art, but broadening that to dance and music and string instruments. And now we're bringing that to the runway, and it's taking on – so we had contemporary dance this year. We had a live string quartet this year. Those things have changed the face of Fox, and now we have a nonprofit, Fox Plus the Arts, and it will focus on bridging fashion and, and art together. And also it's going to go into theater. It's going to go into film. It, it's probably going to do its thing as well. So that is something we just announced that we're forming on board right now. We're getting our – nonprofit legalese, if you will, all together. So, and that was yet another addition. Don't ask me how it's going to get done. <laughs> How's this going to get done? Uh, I'm, I'm sure with you, um, you'll find a way. There is no doubt in my mind. And I'm glad you talked about films and branding and that kind of way because we didn't get a chance to really talk. We have about four minutes. I'd like to talk about some of the work that you do through your boutique firm, which is Glass House Communications. And as I was doing my research, I like how you, as a company, you, you shoot so far ahead of the game when it comes to branding and PR for your clients because you try to get them in, you know, mentioned in movies and music and film. So you really have a niche, something that really sets you apart from most public relations because you do so much when you talk about public relations for your clients. Absolutely. We have a lot of traditional PR, as you know. You have a client that shows up, oh, I want to be in this magazine, I want to be on the billboards, and I'm thinking, okay, let's talk about product. Let's talk about branding. Let's talk about who is your audience. Let's do some marketing. And then one of the things I always do is the untraditional reach or the untraditional connect. So instead of having a model come to me and say, I want to be in New York Fashion Week, I'll put them on TV. I'll have them hosting. They have to know how to speak. They have to know how to command an audience. Sometimes I'll send them to a red carpet event. It's something very different from what they came to the table asking for. So, and a lot of that comes from, you know, I, I can't tell you where it comes from. <laughs> I really can't. I just, it's something, it's a gift, and I don't necessarily, if an author came to me, what are the first things you think they want? They want a book tour. They want, they want to be on Amazon and in Barn, uh, Barnes and Nobles. I would do something untraditional in terms of we're going to have you speak at an XABC class. We're going to have you talk to this group, something very different from being an author. Those untraditional type of branding tactics for me opens up the door much wider and much quicker than me giving you a tour. So a lot of that, again, I have even my branding and the branding of Glasshouse Communications, which 510 Media has been very integral in, in making happen. If you looked at my business cards from five years ago to what they look like today, it's just amazing. It's it's a branding, brand intelligence, and even you, and you know this, your brand as well. So many may not know your name, but they know the name of your show. Many may not know right. a lot of the things that you do, but they a lot of the other things that you do, but they know your show. 
And I'll never forget, I was walking in San Francisco, and Ianad is a, kind of a difficult name to remember. And I guess the person couldn't remember my name, so all I heard was this screaming, uh, fashion on the square, and I turned around. <laughs> so that is what you want. You want people to call you by your brand. And so from yes. the museum, Museum of the African Diaspora, the Oakland Chamber, all those that you mentioned have all mm-hmm. come by referral, by referral, and that's on, on reputation. And I do something very different with each of them. So my client base, I don't have a niche. I don't just do film or artists. or it, It's pretty much across the board. And Glasshouse Communication now is doing the fund development consulting with nonprofits because we know nonprofits are struggling right now a lot with grants. And so building a platform for them to be able to get grants, doing their strategic communication, making sure their their information, their infrastructure is tight, and I consult in those areas too. To, and it's broadening almost every other month or so. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I tell you. And you do all this. And, and see, the thing that you said that is very profound that a lot of people don't get, and I don't know why people don't get it. You really have to have a good team, a great team. And you have to hire people yeah. who, you, yeah, you can do some of the stuff yourself, but these people have a strength in this. They have a gift in it. Yeah. You need to let people do what they're good at and build a team to help you, especially if you want to go and do something that's the largest and the longest running fashion show. So that's why I yeah. tell people all the time when I'm talking that the Loretta and Mary TV show cannot happen with a team of people. i got to have photographers. i got to have video people. i got to have hostesses. i got to have a marketing team. It takes a ton of people to make a TV show work at the level that I'm going for. And also with Loretta McNary Live, the radio show, it takes a ton of people. So you seem to have figured that out early on, uh, Ianot. I'm going to go ahead and get it right one time. (laughs) You seem to have figured that out early on. So I think that is why your success has kind of catapulted. So, um, you know, in six years, it takes a ton of time to do stuff, and you've been able to yes. do a ton of stuff in six years. Yes. <laughs> and so again, I commend you, girl. Back- My hands off to you. And I definitely want to stay in connect and, you know, build this uh, relationship with you professionally. So maybe there are some things that I can help you with and you can help me with because I know you get it. Yeah. You get it. I would love to. I would love to. That's what, beyond the interview, that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue this friendship, continue this connection, and begin to help one another. Absolutely. And the team effort is, 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 un, is unfound. It's important. It's critical. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk later in the week, but um, the show is um, 30 minutes ago. So, Fitz, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to enlighten us and inspire us. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Loretta McNary Live. We'll talk to you on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. See you soon. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.